Hello, lip biters. You're listening to the Dare Daniel Podcast, where you send us your most sinister movie dares, and we suffer the consequences in the Red Room for your amusement. I'm Corky McDonald, and I'm a tourist, and with me as always is Daniel Barnes, the film critic for the Sacramento News and Review, and a member of the San Francisco Film Critics Circle. Hi everyone, as Corky said, on this show we do your dirtiest dirty work by watching the most unwatchable movies you can imagine, and then we review and rate them on our unique scale. We rate a run-of-the-mill bad film, your watchable bad film, that's a dare. Double dare goes to those truly atrocious movies, and a reverse dare is for a despised movie that is actually pretty good. Today on the podcast, we'll be reviewing the entire Fifty Shades trilogy. That's right, all three Fifty Shades films reviewed in one epic sextastic episode. It's a true 50-50-50. Yeah, strap yourself in because of S&M. Get it? Daniel also writes a craft beer column for the Sacramento Bee. So before we get into the movies, he's going to tell us a little bit about the beer he brought with him. So today we bought another revision beer, yet another hazy double IPA. This one, appropriately enough, is called Reno as Fuck. And like Christian Grey, this beer fucks hard. <laughs> it is uh, 8% double IPA. It's hazy. It's delicious. It goes down easy. Again, like Christian Grey. Um, <laughs> I don't know what else to say about it. Fantastic beer. We're going to try to do all three films in like under in an hour. So yeah. we're going to like rush through this as fast as possible, but while hitting as much as we possibly can. Speaking of hitting as much as you possibly can. Just like Christian Gray. So this is just an interview for the newspaper. I just have a couple of questions. Mr. Gray, we'll see you now. What was he like? He was polite, intense, smart, really intimidating. Do you have any interests outside of work? What about you? I'd like to know more about you. There's really not much to know about me. (laughs) Look at me. (laughs) I am. So what do you owe your success? I exercise control in all things, Miss Steele. It must be really boring. I'm incapable of leaving you alone. Then don't. I had a rough start in life. You should steer clear of me. I don't do romance. My tastes are very singular. You wouldn't understand. Enlighten me then. Let's read the actual dare sent to us by Heather Smith. Heather says, What more awkward way to spend an afternoon than watching a poorly written and acted Red Shoes Diary knockoff? Drink plenty of alcohol to wash out the taste. I'm so sorry. You know, some people climb mountains, some people do what we do. (laughs) So the three films released in 2015, 2017, 2018, of course, based on the very popular book series by E.L. James, the film trilogy has grossed a combined $1.3 
billion dollars worldwide. People are watching it. Thank you, the world. The film won Razzies in every major category: picture, director, actor, actress. It won it won actor, actress, and worst screen couple, which is kind of redundant. <laughs> like, obviously, they're the worst, right? Film stars Jamie Dornan and Dakota Johnson. The first film, Fifty Shades of Grey, was released February 2015. It got a 25 on Rotten Tomatoes, 46 on Metacritic. There's a $40 million budget. It made $166 million domestically and $571 million worldwide. Wow. So I actually watched the first film in the theaters. I remember the experience quite well because there was a woman behind me who was just mewling in heat the entire fucking screen. It was a press screening, too. She was. Oh, my God. Yeah. She was just like, oh, Christian. Like, it was absolutely disgusting. But anyway... I have actually written about this film, very brief little uh, capsule in the news and review back uh, February 19th, 2015. So I thought, let's start there. Sure. I've had had some experience with this movie. You're not a tourist like I am. Uh, Yeah, you're the newcomer. Yeah. Let me introduce you into this world. Bring me into the red room. Through my own words. Consider these words the red room. (laughs) Uh, Director Sam Taylor Johnson seems far more interested in fetishizing sports cars and tailored suits than whips and chains. And the vanilla sex scenes quickly become monotonous and familiar, offering the same oblique candlelit tracking shots of undulating body parts we've been getting for decades. Both lead actors are trapped by the rigid banality of their characters, and they fail to manufacture any chemistry. Without that heat, this is just a story about a contract negotiation. Corky, is this a case where those goddamn snobby film critics fucked up again, or did I just blindly throw a dart and get one right for one? I mean, you could throw any kind of negative stereotype of a film critic at this particular film critic, and I think you'd be spot on, but he nailed this one. (laughs) This guy finally got it right. There's nothing this movie finds sexier than a rich, young man. Yeah. There is nothing. Mm -hmm. Anything that gets her hot has to do, or is supposed to get the audience hot, has to do with... Some kind of ostentation display of wealth. That's all it is. Helicopters, luxury cars, uh, vacation spots, sailing. It's you know we we get the entire like uh, lifestyles of the BDSM stands for bills, dollars, <laughs> scratch, and moolah in this movie. That's it. But yeah, I think you nailed it with that. And and again with the same. It's it's for a movie that's supposed to be about this shocking world of uh, dom subplay. This the sex is. I've never been so bored by a sex. Yeah, movie. the sex scenes are pretty boring. I mean, they're very they're very prevalent. It's all based basically missionary with like blindfolds. You know? <laughs> right? <laughs> like it's super boring. There's some grinding. There's maybe slightly more grinding than you usually get. But yeah, they uh, up the ante on the nudity factor. And yeah, the, the, I mean, she's nu- nude almost like the entire. And where they're putting their faces in regards to the other person's naked body. Yes, sure, sure. but it's the same kind of simulated bang outs that you've been seeing on it's late just, night Cinemax. It's Cinemax. <laughs> really just is but like with worse dialogue you know what I mean? it is man oh yeah anyway uh this first film which i i think is a bad movie like i'm gonna kind of make a backwards case for this movie as yeah being almost like almost watchable we're gonna go toe to toe on this one I uh, think. fair enough okay so let's get right into it 50 shades of gray directed by sam taylor johnson uh we open on shots of clouds shots of seattle the song i put a spell on you we see our protagonists 
We see Christian Grey, played by, by Jamie, Jamie Dornan, who, Irish is, actor. who is Irish, and so he's flattening out his vowels in that way that they all do. He drifts off so much into Lucky Charms land. They're both awful. Yes. Um, <laughs> was, she's awful in kind of an, a semi-intriguing sort of a way. He's just awful. Yes. Like, he has no personality whatsoever. Right. But we see that he's wealthy. We see control. We see everything's in its place. All of his ties are kind of right in their place. He's exercising. He's extremely successful man. He's a uh, owner of Gray House in Seattle, which is just some gigantic corporation that just makes money. So, and we also see Anastasia Steele, played by Dakota Johnson. She's a college student, and she's sort of the opposite. Messy hair. She's a flibberted gibbet. She's a kook. Yeah, nothing's in control. She's a little kooky. She's a student. At Washington State Satellite Campus in Vancouver, Washington. This confused me so much more than anything involving like ropes and chains and shit. I was just like, wait, it's Vancouver? Wait, but it's Washington State? No, it's Vancouver, Washington, a Washington State Satellite Campus. Just why did the I had fucking why? But also confusing is anything that's not the Seattle skyline in this movie is filmed in Canada. <laughs> that is filmed in Vancouver, Canada. So yes. you're just like, wait, this looks like Vancouver, Canada. Wait, ah, damn we you. got our fist, first lip bite at 2:52, but don't worry, that lip is going to get bit some more. Oh, there's a lot of lip biting in this one. So she is a English lit student. Yep. She's filling in for her friend who works roommate. at a school, uh, her friend and roommate who works at a school paper, driving to Seattle to interview Christian Gray at Gray House. Everybody's dressed in gray. All the women are supermodels that yeah. work for him, and it's only women who work for him. She gets shown in, and she's everything's all- immaculate too. Everything, right? everything's just perfect in its place. And as soon as she walks in the door, she literally falls into the she office. She falls into <laughs> like his office, Sandra Bullock or something. So she falls in, and that begins the interview. Which this is. Like a pretty long scene. Yeah, right. Like, the but. second that our first two characters meet, the soundtrack should have ADR'd a long sploosh. Because <laughs> yeah. they are hot <laughs> the second their eyes yeah, meet of her are, crawling out of the elevator. That, that should not say that they these actors have chemistry no, together. No. Or seem like they even like each other or would want to be in the same room with each other ever. Jim Belushi and Courtney Thorne Smith had more chemistry on According to Jim. <laughs> more sexual energy. <laughs> than, than these two. I think that's our first Courtney Thorne Smith reference. <laughs> let, let it not be our last, please. No, more, more. She's fumbling around. You can see that she lacks confidence. He's a control freak. Uh, he says, uh, I've always been good at people. He says, uh, very vaguely, I enjoy various physical pursuits when she asks what he's interested in. He's intrigued by her, but he also, you can see his, his need for dominance like extends like to his entire, li- his entire life, right? Because yeah. he, he's, he kind of tries to take over the interview, and she kind of pulls it back, right? Sure. Lots of lip biting, of course. Oh, she's even... Uh, st- Sticking one of his pencils to her lips, to her mouth, yeah. like that. There's mm-hmm. a lot of uh, when she, before she walks into the building too. She's sort of dwarfed by the phallic like tower structure of yeah. Gray House as well. Yes, there's a lot of like on the nose phallic symbolism in here. She as well. Ron Burgundy's a question that her friend slipped in as a joke that says, <laughs> no, right. "Are you gay?" This is and it takes like three seconds to realize what she just said. Like not very good. Concept. But how great would it what if she would have said, "Go fuck yourself, San Diego." <laughs> like. Anything you put on that notebook, <laughs> she will read. Honestly, She's she an read. idiot. <laughs> this is not the first last time of the movie that she comes off like a total fucking moron. No, and she leaves the building 
and has to compose herself after going <laughs> no, out. No, she comes out all out of breath, and there is a just like symbolic jizz of a rainstorm just <laughs> pounding down upon her, and it is just like. She gets great parking, though, because she every time she needs to park, she parks right in front of the gray building. Right, yeah. Seattle parking is super, super simple. We got lip bite number two at 13 minutes while she's looking at pictures of Christian Gray online. The, we next see her at her hardware store job. Right. Where Christian Gray, as you do when you're, interest, when you're courting a lass, you just show up at her fucking work. Right. And are just like, show you know. I'm interested in you and show me around and show me cable ties. Yeah. He buys tape. He buys, what else? He buy rope. So he asks her out and she says, yes. Yeah. They're going to go get coffee. They're going to go get coffee. So while on this coffee date, he is, he's a prick. This is the, one of the biggest thing that fucking got me in this movie is he's a flat out controlling prick. He's to her. horrible. He's horrible. Yeah. That's the thing about this movie is that like, you know, the BDSM elements is kind of like, you know, if you're if you're into it, like that's fine. I that's don't really cool. have it. But like this movie really seems to confuse BDSM with being an abusive piece of shit. Yes. He meets her, then pursues her right away, like goes right to her work, takes her out to coffee, and then after like two minutes is like, Yeah, let's let's nah, not into it. I'm yeah. taking off. Goodbye. Like he's such a fucking clit tease. <laughs> Like, he's such an asshole, right? Like, he just walks out because he's like, "Mm, you might not be into kinky shit that I'm into. And he says, I don't do the girlfriend thing. I don't do the girlfriend thing. Which just melts any girl's heart. Oh, man, absolutely. But now that they're not dating, he sends her, of course... First yeah, edition then Thomas he sends her first edition Thomas Harding's like, what the fuck is this guy? What message are you trying to send, dude? Yeah. So she goes out with her friends. She gets drunk at the club and decides to drunk dial him while she's waiting in line at the bathroom. Right. Uh, she tells him, you're so bossy. Uh, he, she thinks he's back in Seattle, but he's actually still in Vancouver where he came up for a photo shoot. Yeah. While she's waiting outside, her friend Jose, who is like this photographer friend of hers, comes on to her. Uh, and Christian kind of barges in, pushes him away. And while they're talking, she like literally faints in his arms from being drunk. <laughs> it's like she got so drunk she fainted in his arms. So she wakes up the next morning in a in a bed, you know, yeah. uh, in her in her underwear. Right. Some pills and uh, orange juice that says "Eat me and drink me." Right. So it's fucking Alice in Wonderland plate. And this is how you know that uh, Christian Gray is an abusive boyfriend. He lets her sleep in her bra, which. <laughs> Like I mean, take off her bra, know, dude. She's right? gonna chafe. She's gonna have some very under tit sweat. Yeah, she passed out. He did just t- dragged her out of the club, right? Threw her in a car, came back to his hotel room, undressed her, put her in his bed, slept next to her. In the morning, he woke up, and the first thing that he says to her is, he comes in, takes off his shirt, and says, "If you were mine, I would fuck you until you couldn't walk," or some some charming ass thing like that, right? It's like. <laughs> Like, how the fuck is this not like like a pretty much rape almost, this, right? Like, you know why? Because he's a billionaire. Because he's a billionaire. The movie gives you no justification why his shitty actions are okay, yeah. except for he's a rich guy. Rich guy can do this. It's just so fucked up. Like his like dominance and control over her, her is constantly seen as like a, a super potent love. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. And it's just so fucked up because everything he does is the pattern of an abuser. Yes. Including like Later on, as we'll see him controlling what she knows and what she doesn't know. He chastises her for getting drunk and takes his shirt off. And he says, you're here because I'm incapable of leaving you alone. And she says, then don't. But my tastes are very singular. It's very singular. And he mentions that he needs to get her written consent. 
And she's like, written consent, hmm, as anyone would think. She's like, why? And he says, I'll explain later, which is another thing that he does all the fucking time. Yeah, oh, but she also does it. This She's horribly written. Lip bright number three happened in this scene, but she's horribly written because she puts up a fight on this shit for five seconds at the most. Oh, absolutely. And then he, he like, attacks her in an elevator and just goes all over her. Uh, yeah, everything he does is just awful. But this, so now she's kind of entering his world, which is all privileged. They take a helicopter ride to Seattle. There's a lot of air travel, a lot of like very fetishized scenes throughout the trilogy because there's like cars, there's sailboats, there's jet skis, there's, there's a glider. There's a car chase. There's a glider later in this fucking movie. Um, so yeah, they take a helicopter ride to Seattle. They go to his gigantic, ridiculous Seattle apartment, which is a high rise with an amazing view of the city skyline. Um, and this, this is our- <laughs> where we get the amazing line of Chris, her asking, are we going to make love? And him <laughs> saying, I don't make love. I fuck hard. <laughs> Which he totally got off my bumper sticker. <laughs> right. <laughs> was- that line of dialogue made me spit out what I was drinking. Isn't that amazing? I don't make love. I fuck. My honor student dot, dot, doesn't dog. make love. He fucks. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you're close enough to read this, I'm going to fuck you hard. How's my driving 1-800? I fuck hard. hard. <laughs> but I do admire the balls on him that their whole date was just to take him to his place. Because I've tried that and it doesn't oh, right? work. I know. Well, you don't have a helicopter. So she signs an NDA without reading it. Then he wants to show her his playroom. Yes. Another gem of a line <laughs> comes up right here when he takes her to the playroom and she says, you mean where you keep your Xbox? <laughs> like, how fucking stupid are you Like with this guy? Like, fucking billionaire. Like, yeah, that's where he keeps his Xbox. Yeah, I feel like he's taking advantage of her going into a contractual uh, – this multi-billionaire is going into a contract – this mildly, I don't know, mentally deficient woman. <laughs> All right, we've had our first Jared Daniel spit take. You good? I'm good. All right. All right. <coughs> so he explains the Dom sub dynamic to right. her. Like, so we should talk a little about the playroom at first, right? Because okay. it's super elaborate. It is a red room. It's all leather and everything. And again, like his closet, everything's in its place. All I could think about was how stinky that room must be. Yeah. <laughs> right? So that room must fucking reek. He, he lays it out for her that he essentially wants to keep her prisoner and negotiate a contract where Friday to Sunday, they'll have separate rooms. It'll all be all his rules. It'll be all his way. And when they fuck hard, they're going to fuck hard in the red room and he's going to whip her. Yeah. So, and he picks her up and then fucks her hard. But that means that they bye have bye, virginity. There's no BDSM. It's just straight it's just missionary straight up sex. Goodbye, virginity. <laughs> but she goes nuts the moment she's touched at all, yeah, like she anything. Was, yeah, she was building up. I this. mean, he was kissing her thigh, and she was orgiastic on it. Yeah, uh, and Christian- every sex scene there in this, especially in this film. The music is fucking blaring. Yes. The intensity and the volume of the music like just ascends throughout the sex scene. Like the more intense, the louder the music gets. It's just really yeah. absolutely irritating. Christian Grey has a nice butt. Uh, they go raw <laughs> he goes raw dog. <laughs> raw dog. All <laughs> like there is no contraception happening in this. 
Yeah, so we also see him playing piano. So they're um, naked. Complicated. Yeah, they're naked for like the next twenty hours. Yeah, and... there's a lot of just hanging out and doing. Um, this is, and this is maybe we should talk about like what I actually kind of like about this movie. Okay, is that it's it's very self-contained. Like it it sort of feels like a bottle episode uh, of a TV show of Red Shoe Diaries. Yeah, I feel like Sam Taylor Johnson when she came in pared away everything that wasn't Christian. And Anna, and what you're essentially left with is like a two-hander, mm-hmm. and it's just basically about the push and pull and the power dynamic of the relationship. There's no other junk in there. Two and three is nonstop. I get you. junk. Okay, this is it's it's actually kind of formally interesting. And when you you kind of hear about the the tension between Sam Taylor Johnson, the director of Fifty Shades of Grey, and the author, and El James, who was in control over every aspect of the film. E.L. James was pushing hardest for the strict, strict letter-by-letter, word-by-word adaptation, like the faithful adaptation of her books. And Sam Taylor Johnson, I think, was trying to do something a little more like self-aware and almost borderline satirical. So I think the little touches that you get of that in there. Okay. And that's why I think this is interesting, is that it's just about them. I agree with your assessment, but I also will say that's why I enjoy those other movies more than I just enjoy this one. Just because it something, right? Yeah, exactly. But the only thing I did, the thing I did enjoy about this movie was the 12 flags that I saw around Seattle as a Seahawks fan. Yeah. I love seeing. Absolutely. I was like, okay, something to tie me in. All right. <laughs> got something for you there. His mother comes, the wonderful Marsha Gay Harden comes, and yep. he treats his mom like shit which if she needed no other red flags about this guy he treats his mom like dog shit adopted mother adopted Uh, mother because of course uh, christian is extremely controlling and is not revealing like certain aspects about his life won't let won't be touched either won't sleep in a bed with a woman there's a lot of intimacy issue and of course they're all down to just the the most obvious like basic psychoanalysis 101 like mommy issue bullshit yep she wonders how he got into it. They take a BDSM walk in the woods where he explains everything. He was raped by one of his mom's friends as a as a sixteen year old who saw that he needed this kind of Yeah, he was the submissive. Yes, exactly. She was the dominant. But he he, also, she also finds out she's the sixteenth woman to be offered one of these contracts. But she he she's the only one he's cared this much about to Because she's got spunk. <laughs> she Literally now. <laughs> she's full of spunk now. Hey oh. But yeah, they're throughout all of this, their 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 lack of chemistry is like is distinct. Right. right? Like they're they just there is nothing going on. And there were a lot of rumors when this movie came out that they fought on set and they didn't get along and stuff. And I don't know if any of that was true. But it's easy to assume based on the performances, because again, like and as the trilogy goes on, the closer they get, the characters get, the colder they seem to each other. I see I disagree with that, but I, I would say like this I could see it in this one. They're I was like, who is the worst actor here? They're vying Awful. for it. They're Awful. both terrible at yeah. it. I think she got better as the series went on. He didn't really. It's just kind of sex scene after sex scene and there's submissive scenes. There's tasteful shots of every shot the dialogue of dialogue is complete garbage. Oh my we god. We should mention that. Yeah, I was like the only way that the, a lot of this dialogue makes sense is if you think about someone texting it to someone. <laughs> like his whole thing about I fuck hard. It's like if you IM'd that to someone, like, okay, maybe I could see that like you're fucking sexting somebody. How can you fucking say that out loud? How can you say <laughs> these things out loud? She kind of cools things off, goes back to her house. He breaks into her fucking house. Well, first he asks her to Google search submissive. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm, you don't want to direct her to like a website? And she just comes up with like the most horrifying shit, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, send her to like, just Google search? No, see, that's where you and I differ. Because I, I, like the picture she got up, I was like, oh, that's like 
art house bondage. That's like stuff that would be hanging in a museum or something. You know, go to kink.com. Look what real bondage yeah, is right. like. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, That's right. what he's really into. He breaks into her house. There's a sex scene where he ties her up. Just for shows a, up in her house. For a movie that's really hid for the female market, he stampedes to penetration. Like, he goes down on her for, like, three licks. Yeah, right. And then it's just right in there. Ready to go. She finally comes and says, I'll agree to a business meeting where we will discuss this contract. So he brings her into the office. They have a meeting in a, a business meeting in a dark orange room. She's wearing know. a red power suit. Yes. Yeah, she's, the- she's wearing like a red, the tight red dress. The room looks like something out of the original Blade Runner. I know, right? It's just like, who the fuck meets here? <laughs> they have this quirky scene where they go back and forth like it's a business meeting over this contract. Yeah, she's taking things like, what is this? What is this? And she just asks about anal fisting. So she takes anal fisting off the board. Yep. It's <laughs> just. just- Fucking fantastic. And vaginal fisting. And vaginal fisting. He has to make sure she's okay with or she's sure about that. She's like, yes, I'm Are I'm you sure? Yeah. Yeah. I Cable eat, ties is their I cute eat a look. lot of Salisbury steak. You're not gonna like what you find up there, buddy. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm a, I'm convinced his assistants are assassins because they come in. <laughs> they are. They're like fucking a team of female assassins. Like yeah, there's like a whole movie buried in this movie. Exactly. I want their backstory. During their meeting, he just calls out, I would like to fuck you in the middle of next week. <laughs> Which just melts her. Yes. She melts it. These lines, these gems of, she of pickup lines. takes her hair down. Yeah. Again, it's just all about this sort of this power struggle between them, right? Because she, she bit her lip, so she knows she's playing a little power move game there. Yeah. I mean, the basic theme of this, and one character in the second film even actually says this, but Christian is a dominant in the bedroom, but he also wants to be a dominant out of the bedroom, too, right? And that's his whole issue. Okay. She's into the whole dominant in the bedroom. She's yeah. way down with that, but she's a little not so sure about all being surveilled at least for the first half of the scene she's not and then she's she's like let's let's bone uh he's there to give the commencement speech at her graduation and you see here this is like a a small way that he's actually starting to open up to her he actually pulls her in for a photo where earlier they said that he had never been photographed with a woman Uh, but he brings her back into the playroom finally kind of introduce her a little bit to actual bondage right he braids her hair leaves the room and comes back in wearing no shirt and ripped jeans the ripped jeans his fucking sex jeans (laughs) this this is not the last time the sex jeans come up either but he just comes right in and his sex jeans like i wear these jeans but i fuck hard yeah i want to see christian gray commercial i'm c gray these are sex jeans like i rub hard do you need jeans that fall halfway down your ass at all time and are ripped because of all the fuck thrusting you do like these just got ripped through fucking (laughs) i didn't rip them the powers of my fuck thrust they were Normal jeans when I bought them. <laughs> this is my favorite scene after after their graduation night. They have the sex in the red room. He's carrying her down the hallway in a robe. She's been so fucked she cannot walk. He literally has fucked her until she can't walk. She is now paraplegic. It's a callback. It's a callback. <laughs> That's pretty clever when you think about it. Pretty, pretty clever. Um, yeah, and then he takes her to dinner with his family. Yep. She's dancing. She dances around like a seven-year-old would. Like, she's dancing around, like, spinning. That was gross. She actually dances, like, on his toes. Yeah. She slow dances on his toes. It's so gross. So she starts to question their arrangement. He's not going to compromise on on his negotiation any further. And he actually has this bedside confession while she's sleeping about his mother and lays out his mommy issues. His mom was a crack whore, and she died when he was a baby. She goes to Georgia to visit her mother. She's starting to not feel it anymore. And then suddenly, 
who shows up in Georgia looking over her shoulder, actually texting her when she orders a second Cosmo. Uh, it's Christian Grey. Um, and she's, uh, of course, annoyed and then is into it. And she, he takes her out on a goddamn glider. She sees his text and says, oh, fuck, Christian's here, which is what you know is a good, successful relationship. Yeah, right. Mom's looking at that like, yeah, that this is going to be end well, right? Mom walks out of the trilogy forever after that scene. <laughs> she's just like, I'll see ya. Yeah. Uh, so they go out on this glider ride, and they're flying around. And again, it's just another in a long series of luxury travel in yep. this movie. So they're, they're playing ethereal music like Boromir's death scene. Yeah, I mean, it's really well shot, I will say that. Sure. Uh, although I'm thinking, like, man, if I was, like, in, in just in the Georgia farmland, like, you just see houses underneath them and be like, oh, great. This is, like, they're just gliding around, like, kinky fucking up there, right? <laughs> so anyway, he gets a call. He has to run back to Washington. She follows uh, right behind him, comes back, and again is ordered into the playroom where out come the sex genes. Yep. And there's more of this kind of constant push and pull away. She's into it, but she's kind of scared of it. He we says, got a lot of cheap psychoanalysis. You know, why does he need to punish her? And he says, I'm 50 shades of fucked up. Nailed it. Show me then. Yeah. She wants to see what's the worst that it can possibly get, right? Because yep. she's she's afraid of it. She's afraid. He's afraid that if he shows her, she'll run. He takes her in, ties her up, and says he's going to whip her six times with a belt. He does. The, the blaring music just gets louder and louder. She finally tells him to stop and uh, goes into her bedroom to cry uh, with the classic uh, rain shadow tears yep. on her face. It's like yep. he's not ready for that kind of relationship. Uh, she gets into the elevator and he pursues her to it. And we actually get a call back to their, the first time that they parted where the elevator doors closed. And he says, Anna. And she says, Christian. And doors close. <gasps> movie over. Movie over. End of fucking movie. Yes. That's just it. She walks out. And that, my friends, is Fifty Shades of Grey. Let's move on to Fifty Shades Darker. You got me looking so crazy. I want you back. I had no idea what this was going to become. I don't see how this can work. You're just gonna stand there gawking. Yes. You got me looking so What do you want, Anastasia? This time, no rules, no punishments, and no more secrets. Looking so crazy in love. Got me looking, got me looking so crazy in love. Porky, this movie came out February 2017. It has a 10 on Rotten Tomatoes. Remember, the first one had 25 Rotten Tomatoes, 46 Metacritic. This is a 10 Rotten Tomatoes, 33 Metacritic. They bumped up the budget. $55 million <laughs> for this one. It grossed significantly less. $114 million domestic, $381 million worldwide. That was compared to 166 and 571 for the original. For number two, Sam Taylor Johnson, the original director, was replaced by James Foley, best known as the worst director to ever make one of the greatest movies of all time. Of course, he directed Glengarry Glen Ross in 1992. Holy one shit. One of the best movies ever. Then did nothing good ever. This is actually his first movie in like 10, 10 or 11 years. Okay. Um, or these two. I didn't recognize the name. Yeah, James Foley. I uh, also did in the 80s, did At Close Range, did After Dark, My Sweet, and then, you know, again, an all-time classic, Glengarry yeah. Glen Ross, and uh, eventually... This, 
Fifty Shades Darker. He also directed the third film, Fifty Shades Freed. Um, again, the movie was released on February 2017. In addition to replacing director Sam Taylor Johnson, they also replaced the screenwriter, the original screenwriter, who was Kelly Marcel, for Niall Leonard, best known as being husband of E.L. James. Yeah. <laughs> so It really surprised me they replaced two women, director and screenwriter, with two men. It and really... I think I feel like you can really feel the change in the sensibility. I feel like the first Absolutely. movie was very much all from Anastasia's point of view. And even though she's kind of a ridiculous character, it's kind of in tune with her. Whereas this is just a series of events with a sex scene every 10 minutes. But they also, yeah, it absolutely is. And they also did a lot of reading the feedback and adjusted accordingly. Exactly, yeah. It's funny because when I was watching the first film, I was looking at things like the phallic pencil and the phallic tower and rolling my eyes. And I'm kind of like, God, I really would kill for that here. Just because it's goddamn anything. I will say the first half of the second movie, I was like, okay, I'm, in, I'm actually kind of into this. Wow. Then after that, it just fucking drops <laughs> off a cliff harder than anything. All right. Well, let's get into this second film. Before we do. Yeah. You've introduced me to your world, Daniel. Yeah. And now, much like Anastasia in the second film, I want to ask more of it. Okay. Bring me a beer that I that will test my boundaries. Oh, you want me to test your boundaries? Take me to the red room of your brewery. You want me to show you the worst of the worst? Yes. All right. Well, let me um, dig through my fuck bag. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> Digging through the fuck bag. For anybody listening, Daniel did bring a fuck bag with him. Oh. Jeez, oh, that's a thick one. This is the Benoit balls of beers. <laughs> so I have here a Crowler. Crowler is essentially the can version of a glass growler. It's just an empty can. You can go to a brewery, get it filled up with one of their beers, fresh off of the draft, and uh, put it in this can. They can it for you right there, and it's totally fresh. This one is called Lilith. It is a Belgian golden ale. I don't think we've done any Belgian golden ales before. It is an 8% beer, so it's uh, wow. a lot of alcohol in there. Um, you know, if it's classic Belgian gold, it should be like kind of fruity and estery. Um, Fieldwork always does a good job. Let's take a look. This is uh, clear. Got a bright white head. Dan's vamping while I pour these beers out for everybody. Yeah, right. And spill half of it on the table. Uh, yeah, I, did. I wish I had a darker Ooh, beer for 50 Touch me darker. like you do. Touch, 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 touch <laughs> me like you do. What are you waiting for? <laughs> All right, let's get into Fifty Shades Darker, man. What are you waiting for? All right, so Fifty Shades Darker. Let's get right into what Corky says is the best hour or so of the I'll say entire 45 minutes. almost six-hour trilogy. I'll say 30 minutes. Okay? I'm, I'm, the opening half hour. Yes. You're, you're digging it. Okay, well, let's get right into it. We open not with clouds, but with the sound of thunder. We hear screaming. We hear a woman getting slapped. He's a child. His father is abusive. He's hiding on the table. He finds him, and he ah, wakes up. Oh my God. No coffee beans. So no. that means Christian will not become a serial killer. <laughs> yeah, right. He practically is, though, let's be honest. Yeah, we'll get to that. We see Anastasia. She gets flowers. Um, she's there from Christian Grey. She's about to toss them in the garbage, but uh, no, she keeps them. In this the is what I'm saying. This movie does this over and over know, again. Right? She's just ready to cut bait, and then she can't do you it. You can tell every There's move scene, that's coming yeah. five steps ahead. Earlier in the first film, she was about to delete his contact and then decided to call him instead, and that started the whole She gets game. flowers from him. You know she's about to throw them away. Then you know she's going to stop and go, no, they're flowers. I'm going to keep them. <laughs> she's starting a new job. She's got a new boss named Jack. He is leering at her like a wolf. She's, yep. He's obviously very interested. Her friend Jose is having his photo exhibition. I should say it's not clear 
how much time passes between the first and second movies. Mm-hmm. I looked up the timeline of the books, which I'm assuming the film roughly follows. Would you like to guess? It, okay. It feels like it should be a year at least. So this is between the elevator closes yes. and she leaves, yeah. and then she's starting a new job yeah. and is uh, over Christian, but he's still sending her flowers. Okay, so it feels like it should be a year at least, right. but kind of going off other hints from the whole trilogy, it's less than a Seahawks football season. It has to be like <laughs> eight and a half weeks. I'm going to say to beat nine and a half weeks by one week. Two days. The entire events that happened in the trilogy happened over about four months. Oh, my God. In the book. <laughs> like, and you have to assume the movies follow this. So this is two days later. So it is a football season. Yeah, oh, it's a, it is a football season, yeah. right? Well, it opens with her graduating. So I guess it's, it starts with OTAs. Well, that's why, because nobody was paying attention to the Seahawks, because it's off, off season. <laughs> Jose is doing his art display. It's all pictures of her, which yeah. surprises her. But some... The expositionary fairy comes along and explains it in front of Anastasia that someone has bought all the pictures of Anastasia. And there he is right there. There's Christian Gray shows up at the exhibition unannounced and unwanted, and it melts her heart. So first part of fan feedback that you notice, Christian Gray not in suits anymore. Yeah. Also, he has some stubble. He's got a beard now. I think someone gave some notes that um, without stubble, Jamie Dornan looks like a Cabbage Patch version of Knight Rider era David Hasselhoff. (laughs) And it's disturbing and not sexy except to the wrong audience. Yes. (laughs) Again, she's like, no, Christian, you can't do this. Let me take you to dinner. Okay. All right. And he tries to order for her right away. Like right away is like, here's what she's going to have. And he decides that he would like to renegotiate terms. There's still zero chemistry between the leads. They don't have any interest in each other whatsoever. So they're at dinner and he says, I want to renegotiate our contract. And she says, oh, you want to have a, what do you call it? vanilla relationship she says it like it's a foreign language like como se dice vanilla sex what do you call it what i'm not familiar with your earth terms what is this flavor (laughs) vanilla vanilla sex meanwhile we've only seen him stampede to penetration (laughs) in missionary every time and she's totally fine with it we should also mention here that there is a, a definite aesthetic, the kind of slate gray aesthetic and this very like kind of sharp thing has been replaced by just the ugliest looking cinematography that I can imagine. The color temperature has been turned up to fucking 11. Everyone is orange and shiny, and yet they're always like in shadows. Yeah. The movie looks like absolute garbage. This is another reason why the first one just kept looking better and better the more that I watched the second and third. I have no doubt that the first movie is a better movie technically, but this just, I enjoyed more. I And I totally get that, like as just pure entertainment. But for me as a, a critic and somebody who watches a ton of movies, I'm more interested like have an aesthetic – do something interesting, even if you're not doing it well. Yeah. The writing and acting are abysmal. You can only do so much. But it, it was making an effort, and this is just the – I mean, this could be on the USA Network yeah. as, as a show. It's so awful. the first movie ends with them, oh, my God, they've broken up. Oh, my God, I can't believe it. And then the second movie, 12 minutes in, they're making out. Yeah. It, that lasted that long. Yeah. He offers uh, a new negotiation, no rules, no punishments, no secrets, and she's kind of back into it. She's back on the job now. There's an awkward scene with this redheaded HR lady named Liz. Mm-hmm. Uh, her boss wants to take her out for drinks, uh, her leering boss, Jack. A woman on the street accosts her and knows her name. Yeah. 
Uh, while they're in the bar, Christian barges in and yanks her away, which again, she is you know, mildly perturbed by before being totally fine with it. He writes her a $24,000 check, right? He sold her car and bought her a luxury car, and she said, give me the money for that. But she gives him 24000 for a junked up piece of shit car. Exactly, right. She rips it up as a power move. He then says, transfer all this money to her bank account, because yeah. he has all that info right. somehow. She's like, Christian... And then they fuck. Yeah, exactly. Right? I know. That's just like her, her mild protest and then him going, okay, well. That's what I'm saying. This movie, the tension like, ratchets up for five seconds. Half of a second. And a, then it's a, like. A line of dialogue. Let's go shopping again. He's going to take her out to a ball, takes her to a salon, and we see Kim Basinger as the owner of the salon. And she figures out right away that she's Mrs. Robinson, who is the older woman from Christian's past who introduced him to BDSM when he was 15 years old. Right. And he explains to her there's no reason to be jealous. Our relationship ended years ago. He says Irish brogue is thick. (laughs) And they didn't want to go, all right, cut. You know what? Hey, you're in Dublin on this one. We nailed it. (laughs) I think we nailed it, you guys. He almost talks about the troubles for a bit. So he reveals that the girl following is Leela Williams. He's his sub from years ago. He has a file. He opens up this file on her and shows her the file. So Leela is actually the reason that Christian had to come back early from Georgia. Uh, for, uh, after the glider ride, he gets a call and he has to rush back to Georgia. I didn't bit. know that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we find that out later. Uh, oh, that's good writing. Uh, isn't it? Right? It's really strong. Like, so yeah, he shows the – then he, Anna gets curious and he wants, she wants to see the file that he has on her. And she is, again, sort of outraged before they have sex. He makes her draw this lipstick Superman yeah, symbol on his like chest. Sort of a, she draws lipstick on him and that makes everything okay. I just wrote really big, this scene happened. Yeah, right. So this is where this movie <laughs> this is – wait, so what was the good part? The whole beginning of that. No, I'm sorry. Well, hold on. No, I'll, I'll tell Putting you. Putting money in her bank? Well, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Why do they whisper everything in this movie, Daniel? Every line of dialogue, it's delivered. Like they definitely, this. I will say, they realized people did not like it in the first movie when the characters spoke to each other. So they really cut that down for two and three. <laughs> A very minimum of dialogue for three, especially three is just jet ski rides. And oh, like it is. It's a travel log. <laughs> like it is. So. Uh, they're going to the masquerade ball, which is being held at Christian's uh, adopted parents' house. So before this, this is the one honest sex scene I found in the whole movie. Oh, okay. At least an honest display of sexuality. Let's hear it. It's when he puts the Benoit balls in her. Okay. <laughs> He's, she's standing there in this corset and stockings and garters. Right. And he's like, oh, I want you to wear these. Yeah. And she's like, what are they? And they're Benoit balls, right? So he's going to insert them into her vagina, and she has to suck on them to get them wet to insert them in their vagina. Okay. Now, the honest part of this, it was like Donald Sutherland and Julie Christie. Okay. In that one. Don't I've, look now. Don't look now. Because it was an honest reputation of a sexual reputation. situation that it, Huh? Representation. Yeah. What did I say? Reputation. <laughs> it was an honest representation of a sexual situation that wasn't just sex, or it wasn't even necessarily sexy. It was here. I want this thing. It turns me on. I have to insert this in you. And it's almost like kind of played like we're two adults doing this ridiculous thing. Right. And it was more honest about it than anything in this movie had been, or in the previous movie, had been about this situation. Yeah. I, have this, I have this kink. I have this thing I want you to do. I'm into it for you. I like this. I'm curious, too. 
but it's really a silly situation that I'm bending over and letting you insert these things into me. Yeah, fair the, enough. The only thing I found unreal about it is that he looked away while he was doing it. <laughs> I know, right? Like, keep your eye on the prize. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> like, oh, you're so familiar with her anatomy, know, Christian. Right? You're just dialing in. Like, he's stepping back from the three-point line like Steph Curry just <laughs> seriously <laughs> dropping buckets. <laughs> He's on fire, like double dribble. <laughs> so, yeah, I, you know, and my, I think my one of my issues with the whole, like, again, I like the idea of, like, a couple kind of coming together and accepting all of this kind of stuff. Sure. And that's, uh, and that's all cool. I feel like he constantly crosses the line, though. He is constantly saying, like, I want to do this to you. And she's like, wait, what is it? And he's like, well, you'll see. <laughs> it's always yeah. like, well, I'll show you. And then first I'll blindfold you and tie you up, and then I'll show you, Yeah, right? So the, the masquerade ball. Yeah, the masquerade ball. Um, <laughs> what the fuck is this masquerade <laughs> ball? There's mass dancers. There's fire dancers. Like the, It's some eyes wide shut. I'm telling it's you. It's some pussy ass eyes wide shut. This bullshit. is the most jerk off scene in the movie because it's just rich people being rich. I That's can't all it is. It, it looks so bad. I, this is where I really notice like, the nauseating like hot color temperatures. I mean, it looks like it's through like the worst Instagram filter no one ever uses. It's like this is the 1% and this is what they do and this is what you're really supposed to be attracted to in this movie. I'll also say I think that they kind of figured out their demographic. If you look at like the music and cinematography in the first film, it, it kind of skews to a younger demographic. The music right? definitely changes. It feels super old here. It's like they realized uh, it's oh, all wait, covers. No, all, women over sixty, only, those are the only ones who think this is hot shit. Yeah, <laughs> like, they start covering Moon Dance. They start covering. There's, yeah, there's like a sort of Buble esque sort of crooner in. The oh scene. yeah, that guy was awful. Oh, wasn't he horrible? So they're at the Sorry if that's your son, but he's horrible. I hate him. (laughs) Her Benoit balls start clicking and clacking inside her old vagina. She's digging it. She's digging it. So he takes her upstairs. Well, she spends the money he gave her at an auction for his own thing because she's independent, right? Yes, that's what gets you hot is spending a lot of money. better drag her upstairs, tie her up, spank her during the party. Now, he takes off her dress. Guess what she's not wearing anymore? Her corset. (laughs) Garters. So she put on all that uncomfortable, inconvenient shit just to insert the Benoit balls, then take it off, off. put on this dress, go to the thing, and then fuck in his 12-year-old bedroom. Oh, and also at that party is Kim Basinger. Oh, yeah. And um, she's doing this thing where she's this only is at- where she actually says the line hitting the nail right there on the head, because that's what this movie does. He needs a submissive in life. Oh, yeah. Not just in the bedroom. Was she looking at the camera when she said that? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> just in case you didn't get this. Yeah. We also see the creepy boss, Jack, although he's in, yeah. he's in mask, but we can tell it's him because we're smart. So this is where the movie started. This is where you started. After it, the yeah. Benoit ball scene. So Benoit <laughs> up until Benoit balls. When those balls came out, you were like, so did I. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know what that fucking means. <laughs> Fuck this movie. <laughs> so I would have loved during one of these sex scenes where it's all – fucking stylized and all this leading up to it and all the lip biting and close-ups and sensuals and then he gets on on top of her and ties her up and stuff and then takes off his pants and then like uh-uh <laughs> he just like comes right he's like like one pump and he's like it's done like, oh my sex jeans are very sticky now <laughs> and then like he can't walk <laughs> Fuck himself into next week. This is why I wear the sex jeans, is to numb myself. Do you think when he was 13, like, he didn't walk for weeks because he was jerking off? <laughs> I'm going to fuck myself. I don't know why I got Buffalo Bill on that. 
Oh, this is a rated R <laughs> episode. This is a serial killer. Okay. Um, Where are we? So, yeah, the creepy boss is there. He's taking pictures. Um, they get home from the party. Her car is trash, and they take off. Um, there's also, like, bodyguards. She, yeah. He has, uh, like, increased security and everything, which she's like, Sawyer. oh, my God, it's his measure of control. But, like, all of his dominance and control over her, her surveilling of her and everything is is all totally validated. They waste Jeff Buckley, lover, you should have come over because a wonderful song plays while nothing happens. I know. It's weird. Uh, one thing I noticed is that one good song plays in all three movies because I think there's a Bruce Springsteen song you can hear in the first. And then in the third one, you, you hear Young Americans yes. in, in Christian Grace House. And it's like uh, the rest of it is complete garbage. Although that weekend song from the first movie is pretty hot. We should say the first movie was fucking Oscar nominated. Best song. Okay. That weekend song is pretty good. So she goes into the red room now and she asks for some play. She wants to have something. And he makes such a big deal out of what she pulls out to play with. And it's just, he's like, you got to learn to walk before you can run. And it's just a foot brace. It's just, it's nothing she wouldn't have had on like an Obi gun visit. It's just stirrups for her feet. And he just goes down, down on her for like, Two seconds. Yeah, a couple then, of licks. Then it's missionary right to sex. The center, yeah. Oh, and then he flips her over. He flips her over with his little sex bowl. Her boss is coming on to her harder. He says that they're going to need to go to New York for a conference. She, of course, um, asks permission of Christian, who refuses to let her go. This is the first time you see Christian at work, and it's just to be distracted during a meeting. The second time you see him at work in this second movie is when he crashes his helicopter. (laughs) I know. Somehow. He's a multi-billionaire. He at one point says, like, he gives her the check for $24,000, and he says he makes it in a minute or something like that. You're never at work, Like, I did the math on that. It's like billion, like a day. Like, that's, that's impossible. Anyway. So we're back at her office, and her boss it just no longer leers at her. He flat out aggressively shuts the door and keeps yeah, her. Yeah, he's basically like, fuck me for advancement. Yes. And, I mean, pretty much says those words and touches her, and she twists his fingers, kicks him in the nuts, and escapes the room. And right into Christian's arms. Yep. And Christian immediately gets him fired. So wait, the thing that really galled me was he says, that guy's been through three assistants in one year who all quit. Yeah. So you knew that that yeah, guy worked so you knew for you. it was a problem. You knew your girl that you love worked for that dude. Yeah. She is immediately hired into the senior editor role, the, the editor role that he was – Why not? Now, this is like one of those things where I'm like, okay, well, great. Like great, great to have a great female voice in there. She's been at this company two weeks. Most of that time was on vacation. <laughs> she, she's just got hired right out of college. And let me remind you, she was not hired as an assistant editor. She was hired as Jack's personal assistant. (laughs) She made his fucking schedule. And she immediately gets hired in that role. And it's so amazing because there's an African-American woman in the office who earlier, she has a look with Jack that that was like, I know who you are and I know what you do, right? right. Which is much earlier in the film. And after this happens, she goes in and she is like thrilled. She's thrilled. I'm like... Have you worked here for like several years? This white woman comes in. She's married to the fucking guy who's about to – the billionaire who's about to buy the company. She's not even a college graduate when she's working there. Right. Well, she had just graduated like literally a couple of weeks ago yeah. according to the timeline of this movie. <laughs> and she worked at this place for like two weeks, like literally nine days. This is what I found online. I think it was nine to 11 days. And this African-American woman is so stoked that this white woman comes in and gets promoted from personal assistant to senior editor. But, Dan, you must have missed the scene where she drops knowledge in the boardroom. Oh, right. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Because basically the entire world of being like – 
an editor at a major publishing firm is essentially saying option A or option B, and if you choose option B, then you're a hero. And hey, maybe young, maybe young people read books. <laughs> yeah, right? What? Oh, he makes her take her off for panties at a restaurant. Yeah, and then they go into a crowded elevator, and he fingers while Van Morrison's moon dance. So was. now public sex is not is the kink, not BDSM, right? But she almost full-on herbal essences in this elevator just from him lightly touching her vagina. <laughs> they have sex, and he tells her when to come and when not to because women love pressure while they're trying to build the climax. Absolutely. Again, this movie telegraphs things so oh, far in advance. We have a scene outside, and the whole reason of the scene outside where he says, you're going to be okay in there? She goes, yeah, I'll be fine. It's just my apartment. Boom. I know someone's going to be up there. Yeah. Something's going to happen. She goes into her apartment. like She's going to go out on some like luxury vacation to Seattle, and she like, goes to her apartment to get a fucking toothbrush. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, like he follows you around. Like, he has helicopters. His name was on shit. the helicopter that <laughs> like, flew you. But he can't get a fucking toothbrush. He doesn't have like stacks of them in that red room. I know, right? For the 16 women. She goes into her apartment, and who's there but Lucinda, whatever her name is? Layla. Layla Layla is there. That's the ex-sub of uh, Christian. She looks like Fiona Apple. Yeah, she pulls out. She looks very young. She pulls out a gun. Um, She's jealous of Anastasia. She says, he lets you call him by his name. She's jealous. Like, what do you have that I don't have? Christian comes in, and immediately she, like, obeys his commands. She tells her to get down. He immediately is, like, in control of the whole thing. He does the Crocodile Dundee water buffalo thing with his hand where he's like... (laughs) And she obeys what he says. Yes, exactly. She's still under his spell. Anna sees this and is like, holy fuck. She runs off. So remember the first film was like all of a gray kind of a tone. Uh, it's had this really this certain color palette. This, it suddenly turns gray because she's sad. Yeah, right. It's gray in the literal. Like, oh, it's fucking she comes back to his apartment and he waddles over bullshit. with his relearned how to walk, walk. <laughs> and he says, what are the fuck have you been? <laughs> And his the accent drifts are the lip bites of this movie. <laughs> I started counting where they were. He start. She's going to leave. He starts submitting to her. He says, I'm scared. Yeah, he says that he's a sadist. And again, we get some more cheap right. psychoanalysis. He says that he needs to punish women who look like his mother. This is where I officially wrote, I fucking hate this movie now. Because it's now not about a BDSM kink. It's not about that. He says, I'm not a, I'm not a, a BDSM guy. I'm a sadist. Basically, what he's saying is... I want to hurt women. Yeah. I am a rapist mm. slash misogynist assaulter. Yeah. <laughs> That's the word. Domestic Absolutely. violence. That's what I – he fucking flat out says that. Yes. And because he's wealthy and attractive, it's worth f- fixing this guy. Absolutely. You know what I mean? He flat out says it. I want to hurt women. A couple of tinkers here and there and he'll be fine. He's Matthias. <laughs> so now they're getting closer together. They share a bed. They're, he's allowing her to touch him. Uh, he has a nightmare, and then he actually comes to her at bed and proposes marriage. During a night tremor. <laughs> During a night tremor, yes. Uh, and she is she's into it, but she doesn't exactly accept. Yeah. Um, next, we see Christian has to rush off to go to some meeting somewhere. First time he has to do work. He has to do work now. Uh, he The helicopter, as it's coming back, starts smoking, and eventually we see it kind of drift off into the woods. We don't see it crash. Um, But something happens, and his security team runs in and informs Anna that his helicopter has been lost. And you knew, you knew he the hell something was going to happen the second he's like, "Oh, everything's great now, but I have to rush off real fast just to do this one thing. I'll be right back." Okay, we know something's going. The movie went full like fucking knots landing. You know what I mean? And after like ten seconds of just sitting around 
oh man, what are, what's going to happen to Christian? He just walks in and he's fine. That was so Everything's funny. Fine. The whole family's at his place watching news of him dying. He just comes through the elevator. Hey guys, what's up? <laughs> so they go back into the playroom, more sex. He kicks out his whole family who's yeah, been there wondering if he's dead or not. Yeah, and he's like, I have to have kinky sex with my possibly fiance. Now we're at his birthday party, Christian's yeah. birthday party, where again we see Kim Basinger, but he announces his marriage anyway. And let me tell you, if Kim Basinger's face could move, she would look pissed. <laughs> he, uh, she promises to ruin Anna. Uh, Christian steps in. He says that she taught him how to fuck when he was 15. His this was adopted the, mother, Marsha Gay Harden, this, kind of hears it. This was back to that great dialogue. You taught me how to fuck, but she taught me how to love. <laughs> Marsha Gay Harden in the background walks in and gets the whole she gist just of just understands <laughs> all of it. Like, she didn't even hear the whole sentence. Is like how it's timed is, like, she walks in from, like, out, off screen. And it's just, like, she gets everything that she never got before. Like, really? Why is she gay hard? She walks up and slaps the shit out of her. <laughs> yeah, and throws her out. Elena gets thrown out. Christian takes her to just sort of, like, this private room or a pool house or something. And proposes for a third time. Yes. It's like the third proposal. And she accepts. And, and fireworks go off. Fireworks go up. Maybe. Which- I wonder, because, like, what if she said no? What if she was like, Christian, I can't deal with no, this but anymore? but here's how fucking sloppy this movie is, okay? Earlier when he mentioned that he was going to have a birthday party, he was like, yeah, my family, every year they do this whole big thing, and they do, you know, they do this for me, and they have a big party, and then they always have fireworks. Yeah. In this proposal scene, the fireworks go off, and she says, did you do this? And he's like... Yeah. It's like, you just said that they didn't, and then we cut to the family, and they're all sitting there watching it. You already said there were going to be fireworks. God damn it. You didn't do shit. It's so fucking sloppy. But the timing was so perfect, because what if she had to go to the bathroom or something like that? <laughs> See? What if she's like, I need a minute to decompress? Right? The, timer work, the firework guy's like, look, fuck, I only got 10 minutes I to go have, off, pal. I'm on a timer here, right? I mean, so, yeah. but this who knows is, what she has up This was vagina. our fourth quirky crime mark, because I was crying laughing at this moment. <laughs> but... It's not all happy and joy. No, we see the fireworks, but who is watching from afar but Jack, the ruined man, and he's ruin it big time. He's red-eyed and He has a picture of the family that he snapped before when he was at the house, and he burns a cigarette hole through Christian Gray's face. That son of a bitch. And that's how our movie ends. And that's how it ends. Movie over. Oh, fuck. It was so bad. I feel like way more stuff happened. Or there was way yes, more, definitely no, more stuff. No, there was happened. more stuff, but like less happens. There's like, just stuff. It's uh, just junk. The first movie, what I actually like was that, like I said, it pairs everything down except for this power struggle of the relationship. Yeah. And this movie is just like, let's just throw garbage in here. Well, see, Jack, Layla, all this junk. I think the second movie accepted what it was and was just like, look, this is what people want. We don't want this exploration that wasn't good enough to pull off the first time. So we're going to give you the we fancy shit. Yeah. And that's why it was more entertaining. Maybe not a more superior movie technically, but more entertaining. I was so bored throughout this entire I hated, There's just nothing to hang on to. There's I hated nothing. everything after the Ben Wall scene. <laughs> I'm, ser- I'm not lying. I mean, it's a joke. I like that scene, but no, I, I, yeah. I hated the whole thing. Yeah. All right, so that is it. That is Fifty Shades Darker, second film in the Fifty Shades trilogy. All right, let's get into Fifty Shades Freed, my man. Good morning, wife. Good morning, husband. 
Don't ask me. This is great. Look out your window. What you know is true. I'm taking you away for the weekend. I just can't believe this is my life that I get to live with you. Oh, I love your precious heart. It meant nothing to me before you. Anna Gray's office. We wanted to welcome the new fiction editor. I bought it for us. I should have asked you first. I love it. Oh my god. Christian. This is Gio Matteo, the architect. This location is perfect. I'm going to build you a fabulous house. Please stop speaking to my husband as if I weren't here. Anna. <laughs> you may call me Mrs. Gray. I'll pick you up a five. I might not be done by then. So before we get into the third film in the trilogy, let's bring out beer number three. And Oof. kind of keeping with the Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down theme, this beer <laughs> is called Root Bound. Go watch Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down. That's a much better movie than yeah, this. watch that. Well, listen, listen to the rest of the podcast first. Sure, yeah. Then tell your friends. Or stop it and then come back and oh, say thank stop you. Stop it and come back. Just do the whole thing, man. Come on. Just, I don't want to tell you what to do, but do it like I say. And I'm Christian Gray. <laughs> Uh, Christian, the beer is called. Okay, <laughs> sorry. So the beer Rootbound is from Alvarado Street Brewery in Salinas. They also have a tasting room in Monterey. They're one of my absolute favorite breweries in North California. This is a collaboration with Burgeon Brewing out of Carlsbad. Uh, it is a double IPA, eight point one percent. Looks like kind of a hazy beer, um, absolutely tomato vine kind of polleny sort of smell to it. Smells very fresh, Whew. hoppy, fruity, yeah. juicy as fuck. Oh, super good. That exploded on my tongue like Christian Grey in the Red Room. <laughs> so, Corky, did you know? Oh, Jesus. Um, as we get into the third film in the series, Fifty Shades Freed, again directed by James Foley, written by Niall Leonard, and released in February. Again, all, all these films were released in Valentine's February. Valentine's Day. Of course, for lovers. The third film in the trilogy got a 13 on Rotten Tomato and a 31 on Metacritic. Slightly <laughs> higher on Rotten Tomatoes on the first and slightly lower on Metacritic. Uh, on the second? Yeah. $100 million domestic gross 368 million worldwide slightly less than the second film so they kind of progressively did worse but we're again they were hits they made over a billion dollars worldwide so opening shots not clouds not thunder but lace because it's a wedding dress and she's getting wedding married and they go right to the wedding um Right away, my first uh, note was, fuck, these two are the worst. <laughs> uh, they are still so fucking boring. The, it has the same utterly offensive visual palette and style as the second film. It, it is lit like a goddamn romantic comedy. It looks like garbage. I think it rivaled Godfather for a wedding opening on the movie. <laughs> Absolutely. Personally. But first, we did get the wacky bouquet toss to Edward's poonhound brother. Because yeah. he caught that bouquet and couldn't get rid of it fast enough. Oh, my God. Yeah. So they whisk off to their honeymoon. Aviation scene. Yeah. And to which they 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 drive up on a tarmac to a private jet, and she goes, "You own this?" So like, 
What who the fuck have you been? This Shocked. guy is a straight up billionaire. And it's the first time that the soundtrack is not on the nose because they don't play Kanye, Jay-Z, N-Words in Paris <laughs> when they fly to France for their honeymoon. So they're going all over Europe. It's a travelogue it's just for wealth it. porn. Yes. It's more wealth porn. Jack Hyde is at Gray Inc. Yeah. Somehow this man the, okay, explain what the fuck happens in here. Because I don't know. like he just hands something to someone at Greyhouse, and they hand him a security card that gets him in anywhere. Yeah, right. He walks into the computer room and does something because, like... No, he walks in in a suit, then changes into a maintenance guy's uniform. He walks uniform. into a suit, then is in a maintenance guy's uniform with a whole toolbox. And like Bradley Cooper in Aloha, this guy who has nothing to do with the computer industry is suddenly a fucking next-level hacker. Yes. And is able to hack into the program and yet does something. Plants something in a room. Yeah. And that's it. They're on the beach. Oh, fuck. Did I forget this? I forgot this amazing line on the beach where uh, he doesn't want her to take her top off. And she says, there's nothing but boobs as far as I can see. It's boobs in boob land. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Niall Leonard and Neil James. Fuck your marriage. Boobs in Boobland. It's boobs in Boobland. <laughs> it's like a Russ Meyer movie. <laughs> it's boobs in Boobland. So now we're on the boat, and it's the BDSM boat because they're going to do a little handcuff scene. There's some jet skiing, right? We're oh, yeah. In the increasingly dull series of them riding on I'm things. telling you, this third movie's a travelogue. That's more, all it is. It totally is. Michael Palin should have been announcing everywhere they're at. More sex, more handcuffs. But there's literally a scene where they're watching the footage of the, the man in the maintenance gear walking through a hallway <laughs> who's touching Dakota Johnson. Anastasia goes, enhance. Screen, enhance. And they blow up the picture. She goes, that's Jack. <laughs> It was an NCIS scene. But this movie looks like NCIS. It is. It looks so fucking shitty. You know what movies I thought of? Hard Ticket to Hawaii. Oh, right? No, but I actually wrote in, I wrote at some point in the second film, at least Andy Sidaris had its gunflights and explosions. <laughs> like, this movie is just Andy Sidaris with everything good taken it's out. It's Andy Sidaris with a B-cup. That's <laughs> right. It is. <laughs> So the plot is a totally soap opera now. There really got- isn't a plot. It's just, no. you know, I mean, like... It's an episode of Knott's Landing. He, she says something about kids. He chokes, and she's like, oh, you don't want kids. So they have that whole talk. Right, they have the kid discussion after they've been married. Like, yeah. oh, you don't want kids? This is the shit you talk about right? before you actually tie the knot. But again, the timeline in this, they met, like, a couple months ago, right? But also tie the knot. I just realized tie the knot. They've been doing that since day fucking one, baby. Her office is redone when she gets back to work. She comes back from her honeymoon to another promotion. (laughs) Another promotion. (laughs) And the African-American woman who has been working in this company for years. She's so stoked. She's ecstatic. What a great day for white feminism. The the red-haired woman who's been there working there 20, 30 years is not happy, but smiles. Christian, of course, on her first day, comes down to the office. He storms into her office. Crashes a meeting. She's in a meeting with a writer. He crashes the meeting. He berates her because she has not, on her first day, changed her email address to her new married name of Gray. She's still using at AnastasiaSteele.fuckyou. This is a multi-billionaire at 27... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. who leaves whatever work he has to do to come to his office and interrupts a meeting with Boyce Fox because these are real people names <laughs> Boyce Fox <laughs> and the says name is Boyce Fox. why haven't you changed your name to Mrs. Judy Mickelson Hicks <laughs> Mrs. Judy hyphen Mickelson Hicks 
She has barely been in the office. She's been in there three times. The timeline is between the third Seahawk game and the ninth Seahawk game. <laughs> she's been in the vacation. So on her first day back from her honeymoon, after she has just been promoted to senior editor, he takes her out of the office. <laughs> She leaves. She leaves because he is going to buy her a luxury house. The luxury house they saw while they were sailing in the second movie. Of course, he's got this supermodel architect who I'm convinced is a secret assassin. Of course. And this woman is gorgeous. Yeah. Of course, she wants to gut She's everything. coming on to Christian right in front of her. She wants to gut this whole house. She says to Anna, quote, I have designed many prestige projects. <laughs> this is a fucking word that the fucking person says. It's a sentence. Anna sees right through this bullshit, yep. and she's like, nope, don't do that. And Christian she, has a phone call of convenience, <laughs> yes, and we have the woman-on-woman. The third time that he's had to do any work. In the this soundtrack movie. should have literally went, because we have a cat fight. She looks at her and says, call me Mrs. Gray. So now she's taken the name. Exactly. This is the movie wants to have it a lot of ways, mm-hmm. and one of the ways is that she takes ownership of it when she wants to, but otherwise she fights off his ownership. Exactly. They're pursued by an SUV. This they take the- off in an Audi, that which is made very clear that they are driving an Audi. I, oh yeah, this was product. Placement. It is an Audi commercial so for hard. the next half hour. Like they are just driving in Audis. Like at one point, she just wa- runs into a parking lot, and every car on the lot is an Audi. <laughs> But what's funny is that anytime it's an evil person following them, it's a Dodge. It's a shitbox car. <laughs> it's a straight up Dodge. So they're pursued by this SUV. In I gotta the say, I least was, interesting car chase. I was not expecting a car chase in this trilogy. Oh boy! But you got one, and it was bad. But here we go. After they're looking at the footage of the driver, they find out again it's Anastasia who goes. Wait a minute, enhance. They blow it up. That looks like a woman. Dun 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 dun. Um, it's around this time that we see that her, she's working with Boyce Fox on this book that is going to make her career, which is called Purgatory, the first book in the Inferno series. <laughs> so what is he writing a reboot of Dante? I, or Da Vinci's Code. <laughs> the Da Vinci Code. The um, very next he's day. He's spying on her. He, Christian's like spying on her through security. Like they all know. Like her, this security guy following her around is, is reporting back to Christian. But I everything. love that the very next day after she left early, there's already mock-ups on the thing she just talked about the day before. <laughs> so she's looking at covers of the book. Like they are getting shit done and she's just <laughs> riding their coattails. So she comes back home, and Jack is in the home <gasps> with a knife. How? How is this guy right? everywhere at all times? Here's the fucked up thing: is that like for all of Christian, like he's he's like surveilling her and spying on her, and he knows everything about her, and he has like anyone can like he has like reports on her, like folders are just constantly piling up on people. He apparently has no security. There's no alarm. There's no nothing. He, yeah, Jack, who is by the way. Like a fucking editor? <laughs> like bypasses the security system and gets into the home with a fucking knife. And he's just waiting there for her, even though she's tailed by security 24-7. It's ridiculous. He's taken down with the guns by the, the bodyguards. And we have our first of many sad showers. Anytime there's a shower in this movie, they're either fucking or it's sad. Yeah. He doesn't. She actually comes on to her and he, he pulls away. He says, I time. can't. And then she goes out and she comes home again. And what's he wearing? Motherfucking sex jeans. He's wearing his sex jeans. He's got his sex jeans on, and it's time for jean sex. So this is my favorite line of dialogue in the entire trilogy, because he gets her in the red room, the playroom. Yeah. And he... Well, he just says, we're going to the playroom. Yes. 
he starts or denying her. He's using a vibrator on her and then pulling it away yep. and then using it on her. And saying, this is what it feels like when you, what, what you're doing to me feels like. And she just, finally calls out the safe word, red, red, and red. says, this is revenge. She says, don't use the red room as revenge. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> red room is sacred. Yeah, and he is cowed and everything is fine now. But the most romantic thing he can do is show her how wealthy he is because yep. he flies her and her friends to the cottage in Aspen. Well, once again, he yanks her away from work. Yes. She comes back to work and is like, all right, I guess I should do some work in my job as a person who runs this entire fucking place. And she's like, nope, come on. And all of her friends are there, so they're going to go to Aspen. Uh, she comes out in the middle of the night. She's eating a little okay. Ben and Jerry's, okay. and they have a little ice cream foreplay, Quirky. Oh, Jesus. This this scene. There are other people in this house at it's the time. It's pure torture. Pure torture. They have public sex on the kitchen table. If you've, like... How could you ever feel comfortable eating on any surface in Christian Grey's house? Like, seriously. Like, do you think this guy just does shit in the red room? He does not. But what if somebody's like, yeah, oh, God, I wonder if there's any more of that sweet cake in the yeah, fridge. I'm going to go out there and check out the sweet cake. Okay, I'm in the downstairs bedroom, so I should probably go. Oh, boy. And it's a Ben and Jerry's BJ session, which I really thought Ben and Jerry's missed a beat on not t- doing a tie-in, you know? Well, I think she had a chubby hubby chubby. Chubby hubby. <laughs> Pralines and jizz. (laughs) (laughs) Chunky spunky. So after ice cream fucking, the next morning, the family is going to go on a hike. But Christian doesn't Can go. I mentioned we're like two-thirds of the way through this movie? Exactly. Like, literally fucking nothing has happened. Nothing has happened. Nothing. Any 10-minute stretch is seven minutes of wealth porn. Yeah. One minute of mild intrigue. Yep. Two minutes of fucking. One, and that's that's a half scene of tension. Wait, that's only nine minutes. But you know what I'm saying. Whatever, fucking it adds up. Who gives a shit? Everybody goes on a hike except for C Gray, because he sticks around with his bodyguard. Whose bodyguard is probably my favorite character in the movie. Who is just one of those guys who is always there when you don't need him and not there when you do need him, and yet could also produce a file on anyone at any time. Every line of dialogue of his is we've lost him. <laughs> We don't know where she is. Oh, I'm sorry, Mrs. Gray. I really swear to God I wanted the uh, the bodyguard from uh, Heart to Heart. Sure thing, Mr. H. <laughs> you got it, Mr. G. So they go hiking. Then they go shopping. There's this whole – I mean this movie does this thing where it builds this conflict and tension for half a scene. And then it makes – the longest it takes it is right now where it takes it two scenes. Mm. There's all this kind of talk about – so her roommate from the first movie, Kate, is dating – Christian's adopted brother Elliot, yeah, who's a philanderer and playboy, and, right. and tossed the bouquet away so whimsically oh at the God. beginning. No, she tossed the bouquet away. No, he did. No, dude. she did, dude. Motherfuck you. He did. I watched this movie yesterday. I watched this movie. He catches it, looks around like I don't need this, and then tosses it. That's the other way around. No, I'm telling you, watch it again. Fuck you. I will never watch it again. Fuck I, you. I I had to own this thing so you can watch it anytime on my account. Sounds good. So I'll be there tonight. There's all this. Uh, I think Elliot's going to cheat. <laughs> I think Elliot's going to cheat on Kate. We see with the architect from earlier. She so she just happens <laughs> to be there's looking. like eleven people in this entire universe. Exactly. She happens to be looking out this window to see him meeting with the architect outside this jewelry store. Yeah. She doesn't tell her friend while they're fitted for oh, dresses. Shopping. The very next scene, he proposes. Yes. 
That tension is built for literally a minute of real time. Now we're at Jack's bail hearing, which she is just hearing about. She goes and sits in the back in dark glasses, <laughs> Jackie O style, which makes her the most conspicuous person. <laughs> right. And this room is you're all the, red velvet BDSM looking you're itself. You're the only person wearing dark glasses in here. Um, so Jack at his bail hearing is lying and saying that uh, she came on to him Intentionally ruined his career, and again, because there is apparently no security footage in Christian Gray's apartment, Mr. Control, the the judge essentially is like, eh, not sure, but okay. Yeah. Jack gives her a look as he walks out, which causes her to go throw up, and I wrote capital letters. Anytime a woman throws up in a movie, she's got norovirus. <laughs> <laughs> she's pregnant. You cough pregnant. in a movie, yeah. you're dead. Man coughs. Dead. Woman throws up. Preggers. Yep. Very, very, the movie owns it too because the very next scene she's had an OB gun. I know, right? Taking a piss test. And being like. Same outfit. They show her the like ultrasound and of course because she's a moron she's like, what's that? Which is really an indictment of the American medical assist- system because she can get that appointment the very same day because <laughs> she's rich. Nobody else can. And she tells him, and he doesn't know quite what to do with it. So he storms out. This causes her to rub her belly and look at her reflection because symbolism is fucking dead in this fucking her world. Her rubbing her belly is the drifting accent of the second Drift. movie and the oh. lip bite of the first movie. She will any opportunity to rub that belly. And like, talk we, to it. Don't forget she's pregnant. She tells her belly he'll come back. He stumbles home drunk, but she looks at his phone, and sure enough, there's a text from Mrs. Robinson, Elena Kim Basinger. It was good to see you. Good to see you. And the what next if her morning... ringtone went, so here's to you, Mrs. <laughs> Robinson. Where have you gone, Joe DiMaggio? That's the level of satire missing from this movie, I'm telling you. <laughs> so they fight the next morning, and she gives him an ultimatum, Henry Baby, and basically says, baby before everything else. Yep. Next, we see her at the office. She has come back from Aspen. She walks in and is like, looks at someone's work and is like, oh, this looks really good. And she's about to walk away. And then she goes, oh, could you just make the font two points bigger? Can you imagine being that person just like, oh, okay, so change everything? Okay. (laughs) And you're saying this having just come back from Aspen. Okay. Right. Uh, you couldn't have said that before? No? You didn't have a time? You were having kinky sex in Aspen, so you, you, you couldn't get to my work? Okay, great. So I'll just change everything. Do you want That's me to show it to you the hour you're going to be in your office? Yeah, should I show it to you now? Or you get back? Oh, you're gone? Okay, bye-bye. Because literally she gets a call from the Jack The funny Hyde. thing is I've worked with people like this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we all have. If, especially if you worked in the state. She works for an hour and then gets a call from Jack Hyde. And the movie really ratchets up right now because Jack texts her a picture of a kidnapped sister. Yep. Do you want more beer? Uh, fucking A, dude. Let's ride this thing all the way out. So I'm drunk. Your yeah, call. Revice. Hazy I, double IPA. Hazy double IPA. I'm going to leave all of this in, too. <laughs> yeah, uh, whatever. You're driving this train, Christian. New Glory. You've chose New Glory. Only the clouds. Oh. Only the clouds. Fifty shades of gray. Right? I'm Fifty Shades of Fucked Up. I'm fucking in my sex jeans. <laughs> sex jeans! Sex jeans. When I want to fuck hard, I put on my sex jeans. No underwear. Just sex nope. Jeans. I like it when my dick bubs against the denim. Sex jeans. <laughs> Eighth grade dry humping was my favorite. 
I'm really chafing. I should check it out. Sex jeans. <laughs> Where the fuck are we? We he just got a call from. So she gets a call from Maya's phone. Maya is Christian's sister. Well, he's yep. adopted, but his his family. His sister, played by Rita Ora. She's been kidnapped, and Jack wants money. He wants $5 million. He wants revenge, and he says rather cryptically, I could have been Christian Grey. And now I only want to know their ringtones, because her ringtone should have been Sister Christian. <laughs> I don't know the next word. <laughs> So she's so she's racing to find this five million dollars in ransom money. She runs down to the garage where all the cars are Audi. She runs to the bank, um, but the bank manager calls Christian. Yes, he's taken out five million dollars. Yep. And Christian says, "Do it." He approves the transaction. Somehow he knows that she's not leaving him, but, but he knows he does she's give in trouble. Her the money because he trusts her. No, he knows she's in trouble. He but says he pursues her because he doesn't trust her. <laughs> also have i mentioned he's basically a pseudo rapist yeah Fuck this guy she has to kind hold, of like hold on she tricks sawyer the the bodyguard hired to watch her with the fucking dipsy doodle of all dipsy doodles <laughs> she goes into the kitchen calls his phone yeah, and says hey yeah. can you come into the red room i don't know and then she runs off and she's about to get trapped again yep. uh, but jack uh, calls her and sends her an evil dodge yep it's called all cars that are not audi are evil and who is driving the evil Dodge? But the redhead HR lady, Liz. Yeah. Um, she does another dipsy doodle because she took she the bank manager's phone. She gives her a fake phone, uh, Jack on the on the phone, because he's the, literally the worst criminal of all time, tells her, you're going to need to give this woman your phone. Yeah. And so right ahead, she says, give me your phone, bank manager, grabs his phone, gives that to Liz, and throws her own phone in the money bag. Yeah. Uh, Christian is able to pursue her because he can follow her phone because he's an abusive, uh, monstrous piece of shit. They get to the warehouse. Christian is pursuing, but Jack is there well ahead of her. He beats her kind of for no reason except that he's an asshole. Jack gives her two punches and a kick to the belly. And a kick to the belly. She goes down. She goes to the hospital for four days after this. She's pregnant. No, no, but she's like comatose after this. Yeah, right. So she pulls out a gun at the last second, That's shoots right. Jack, kaboom. Shoots him in the knee. Um, and for the 10 seconds, wakes, you wondered if the kick in the belly was going to do something? Maybe that was a fatal kick in the belly, but no, no she wakes up. There's says, two heartbeats. Christian, you're my whole life, and there's a tearful reunion, and who fucking cares? Turns out Liz. So it turns out Liz was Jack's blackmailed sex tape victim, and that's why she was doing all of this. So anyway, she's better now. Everything fine. She goes home. Christian is cooking her dinner. There's another big report that the security man put together. He's very good at putting together reports. Not very good at the security. Good at the reports. Paperwork is his is his forte. And it turns out that Jack and Christian were in the same foster family together. So again, let's back this up and talk about how fucking sloppy this movie. In the second film, Christian talks about when his mother died, and he has a flashback right. to seeing Marsha Gay yes. Harden in the hospital. This yes. is his flashback. I mean, he sees it, and we talk about it. Marsha Gay Harden adopted him out of the hospital after he spent the time with his mother, his dead mother, after the dad killed her. So when the fuck was he with a foster family? Exactly. When the fuck? And when they ask him about it, Christian's like, Oh, I don't remember anything before getting adopted. You remembered Marsha Gay Harden in the hospital because I flash- saw it, buddy. We saw the flashback. I was in your head, motherfucker. 
this was like a snowman flashback where it's somebody Seriously? else. <laughs> Val Kilmer was about to show up in these flashbacks. <laughs> this is like uh, this is like the identical like a, a secondary character just narrating people's thoughts. But then it, it's like so the real message of all of this movie is that it's not BDSM play, it's not uh, sadism. It's foster families that are the true monsters. I know, right? Because if you go to a foster family, you're going to end up fucked up. Fucked up. And Christian actually says, who knows how I would have turned out if I wasn't adopted by this wealthy family after living – when the fuck was he in the foster family? But anyway, Anastasia comes back with that and says, no, no. You're a man of honor. You treat people well. You care. And I'm like – what three fucking movies did you watch? Yes. Because I just sat through six hours of him being an abusive, monstrous piece of shit. <laughs> In movie times a week ago, he told you he enjoys this hurting is, women. This has happened over a few weeks. You're sure that he's changed? It, on your first meeting, he said he only feeds poor people because it's good business. Because it's good business. He's a piece of garbage. But they also find out where his mother's grave is. So we get a graveside scene. He goes to his mother's grave, more piano playing, and then my favorite part of the movie where the montage he's playing piano and she looks in on him, and they we have a montage of the previous three films. And this is when I realized, holy shit, they expect us to care about these yes. people. <laughs> this is again why I like the first movie better. I really don't feel the first movie thinks Oh, you should care about these people. Right. These are people that you should be invested in. The first movie was borderline satiric as like, these are people who are garbage monsters. Yeah. I do feel like the movie, they got, they got hip to it because this montage was like, okay, so the movie's got progressively shorter. Like the first one's two hours. Yeah, I know, right? It's just like hour, 50 minutes an hour. Exactly. And they're like, let's just throw in a bunch of shit from yeah. the other movies. So they show a bunch of clips. They show her falling in the room and her going in the helicopter and then getting married and blah, 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 blah. And then she is very inspired and she goes into the red room. And what does she do? Says, sir, I await your pleasure. And she lays out his sex sheets. <laughs> she swear to fucking God, she goes into the room and she's like carefully lays out his sex jeans. yep <laughs> this is fucking amazing uh end of the movie but then it pops up again and what do we see on the beach kid running around second kid on the way domestic yep. bliss but they're still you know tying each other up and fucking which is great right and that's the whole trilogy that's the 50 shades trilogy oh. holy shit quirky yeah we need to wrap this up we really quickly fast. so Give ratings to all three films. Actually, you know what? Rank the three films and give your ratings. Okay. So uh, first one was a Double Dare. Second one was a Double Dare, but enthusiastic Double Dare. Kind of like, check it out because it's fucking awful. Okay. Third one was Double Dare, Bad Again. So on the three, it's a Double Dare uh, as a whole. I spent a lot of time with these characters over the last yep. six days. Yeah. And it intrigues me. The second one is the only one that I'm saying is so bad, it's... It's watchable. Like, watch it and just go, what the fuck were they thinking? You know? Um, that's it. You're going to get nothing out of this. The acting is terrible. Dakota Johnson gets better. The writing is terrible. The direction is terrible. He's awful. Yeah. So I, you're going 
I don't, two one three. Yes. Oh, definitely two one three. Two one three. I don't understand anything about the appeal of any of this, the no. books or the movies. It's that fantasy of he's a damaged man. All the problems in our relationship are his. I can fix him though. Yeah. And the only thing appealing about these people is wealth. I'm gonna go one two three. I thought the movies got progressively worse. I think one is by far the best movie. I'm gonna give that just a straight up dare. Sure. I think even if you know maybe if Sam Taylor Johnson had been able to make the movie that she wanted to make, it might have even been a reverse dare because I feel like there's interesting stuff in the concept and sort of happening around the margins, but the the script and the the uh, acting is just way too much for to overcome. Two and three, double dare all the way, absolutely complete garbage. Everything that worked about one for me was undermined by number two. You know, all the kind of the control of it, the tightness of it, the fact that it was very just focused on those two characters. Suddenly, you just threw a punch of plot garbage in the mix. Three, there's really no reason for three to even exist. Honestly, two and three just could have been made into one very short movie. All right. That's all we have on you for you on this episode, this very drunken episode of Dare Daniel. But we'll be back in two weeks to review another one of your f- movie dares. We're not doing three and one this time. Yeah, we are. In the meantime, check out our mini episode next week for a preview of the next Dare Daniel review, as well as more talk about spanking, licking, flicking, and Benoit balls. <laughs> Until then, send your most sadistic. And this was fucking sadistic, mm, Heather. BD sadistic. Or altruistic movie dares. Do us at daredaniel.com and be sure to follow Dare Daniel Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can read more of my movie reviews in the Sacramento News and Review and at newsreview.com. And you can read my craft beer column in the Sacramento Bee and at sacbee.com. Corky, you perverted fuck. Where can people find more of your perverted work? You can catch me in the red room in my sex jeans getting things (laughs) wet and stanky. Always with the sex jeans with you. Always with the sex jeans. Well, that's it for Dare Daniel. I'm Daniel Barnes. Our producer is Johnny Sex Jeans Flores. And I'm Corky McDonald saying, Sex Jeans! Laters, babe. (laughs)